from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast The shaky video went viral on social media sometime around Wednesday the 19th of July If you saw it before it was pulled off social media you know exactly what it shows The video of two Manipuri women being paraded by a mob first appeared on social media with little context on what we were witnessing except we knew it had happened in Manipur. Since then other details have emerged like the fact that the two women who were raped and paraded naked by the mob were from the Kuki community. One of the survivors has since said that the women were handed over to the mob by the police who were supposed to protect them. There have been incidents of violence in Manipur for over 2 months now and despite multiple horrific incidents in the state This incident couldn't be ignored because there was a video documenting just what had happened. Patricia Mukhyam is the editor of the Shillong Times and has been documenting and commenting on the riots in Manipur since it began over 2 months ago. She told my colleague Pinaki Chakraborty that she sees the video as part of the propaganda being used to frighten or unsettle the Kuki community in the state. To me this looks like a very well orchestrated move by the Manipur government. to sort of unsettle the tribals from the hills i think what they're trying to do really but not spelling it out is that they want to create so much terror that the tribals will finally become displaced will move to other states then maybe they will uh, take over some of the land instead of uh, going about it in a proper way instead of bringing in land reforms to make it equitably shared among the indigenous people of the state they have created a situation where you know it's now become a point of no return basically patricia mukhim has also pointed out in her columns that the prime minister hasn't commented on the riots in manipur since it began but that changed on thursday the 20th of july just before the start of the session of parliament the prime minister promised that none of the guilty would be spared and that he was deeply upset by the video mera hriday peeda se bhara hua hai क्रोध से भरा हुआ है मणिपुर की जो घटना सामने आई है किसी भी सभ्य समाज के लिए यह शर्मसार करने वाली घटना है इन टूडेज एपिसोड पटिशा मुखिम इज इन कॉन्वर्सेशन विद पिनाकी एन मी अबाउट द सिचुएशन इन मणिपुर एंड हाउ शी सीज थिंग्स प्लेइंग आउट फ्रॉम हियर दिस इंटरव्यू वॉज रिकॉर्डेड ऑन थर्सडे द ट्वेंटी ऑफ जुलाई सुन आफ्टर द प्राइम मिनिस्टर हैड स्पोकन We discussed why N Biren Singh remains Manipur's chief minister despite the continuing violence in the state and whether this violence could spread to other states. We started by asking Patricia Mukhim about her views on the prime minister's statement which while seeking greater security for women across the country did not mention the long running violence in the state of Manipur. While speaking on the video the prime minister didn't address the larger issue of the violence. You have written about this in the absence of comment on the violence in the past as well how do you view yes. the prime minister's statement which only dealt with the video he didn't really say much the question is why is he speaking now why was he silent all these months it's the 77th day today and even the people from manipur themselves were saying speak about the the violence here the prime minister was well aware when he came from the us and then from egypt the, the he called the home minister to brief him on the situation and i'm sure as the prime minister of the country he knew what was happening 
He knew that thousands of people are displaced. He knew that there were over 150 deaths. I mean, how can a prime minister of a country allow a civil war in a part of the, of the country and not do anything about it and not call into account the chief minister of the state? This is, uh, this is very surprising for us uh, political commentators because it has never happened in the past. In the past, what would have happened is after about four or five days, if the violence is not quelled, then uh, the chief minister would have to step down or there would be president's rule. Why does it take the prime minister to speak on the 77th day? The point is that the Supreme Court has taken cognizance of this case has written to the Solicitor General, and therefore the government is aware that it, it will have to respond in the Supreme Court. And that's why he has spoken. Also today is the first day of, of the Parliament session. And uh, before people, you know, ask him, why, why haven't you spoken? So he decided he was going to speak. I don't think it meant anything much. You spoke of this video being a sort of propaganda for the larger violence that's being waged in the state and that it has now gone the other way and has in, in, instead become a source of outrage. Do you mm-hmm. see that this outrage over this video changing anything really in the state? I was uh, talking to somebody today and saying that every time an uproar like this happens, no, a real sort of uh, a big kind of action happens, violence happens and torture, we all get very hit up. We all uh, become very outraged. And women's groups across the country today are feeling very, very strongly about this. But we have to remember those who captured this, I'm sure didn't want it to be in the social space. They captured it because they needed to show their uh, handlers that this is what we did. And then they needed to also Uh, use this video so that others, you know, other young people also get into the same kind of uh, energy, kind of enthusiasm to do the same thing. This is is my construction. That video perhaps somehow got into the hands of the kooky people, and that was how it was circulated. Because I'm sure that the Maytays knew that if this video got circulated, it will reflect badly on them. It just so happened that it was circulated yesterday. I don't know whether it is intentional because today happens to be the first day of parliament. It's difficult to put things uh, together in the situation that is in Manipur today. But for once, at least there is outrage within the country. And hopefully this will spread across the, the world. I mean, it's so, so horrible. This It's horrific. It's so misogynistic that uh, I hope it shakes the conscience of all of us and that it doesn't move out of uh, the mindscape of people in a week or so, which is what usually happens. Since the video emerged, there have been other cases, each equally horrific, that have emerged about sexual violence targeting women in Manipur. Survivors who have fled to other states have also spoken about what they endured in Manipur. In early episodes, we've looked at the perils of internet shutdowns in the country, something that India ranks number one in the world at. Patricia Mukhim says that the internet blackout in the state of Manipur, which has been done with the stated objective of preventing tensions, may have also resulted in preventing us from learning of other atrocities that have taken place in Manipur. People are still fleeing 
and uh, all kinds of things are happening. But we don't get to know much of that because of the internet embargo. And sometimes I feel that the internet embargo is also a tool used by the state so that no one gets to know what it's doing. But the state is very well equipped because in Imphal, within the government circles, the internet was there. So it's a very inequitable kind of arrangement. Given that this video surfaced and it's just one of the few horrific incidents that's taken place in Manipur over these last 70 odd days, yeah. you've written about the many other things that have taken place that haven't been documented as clearly as this one has. Do you yes. see any other such videos also coming up in the coming days? Or do you think there will be, like you said, a greater attempt to make sure they don't come out instead? There will be that because one person has allegedly been arrested today. Imagine the video surfaced yesterday and somebody has been arrested today. But the, the FIR was filed way back on May 18th. I mean, what were the police doing till then? I want to also say that the police in Manipur is largely compromised. It seems to be tilting towards the Maytays, towards people in the valley, because a large number of them are from there. When the state fails its citizens, what do the citizens do? Who do they reach out to when even the prime minister refuses to speak? And I'm sure there will be a lot of videos of this type. In fact, I've seen quite a few, but sometimes, you know, the violence, it, it kills it kills you. It, it, it really enrages you. And to tell you the truth, I just couldn't sleep a wink last night. And I hear that many other people also couldn't sleep because of the horror of that video. So I'm sure there are many others like that as well. They might surface, they might not surface. But the point is that this is evidence. And the state now either has to act. And I think it's all of our citizens, not just the people of Manipur. It is incumbent upon all of our citizens to speak up for the state of Manipur, for the people of Manipur. President's rule is long overdue in Manipur. Why do you think the government is so reluctant to impose? Because Biren Singh is their poster boy. He uh, has helped the PJP win twice over. They can't find uh, perhaps a replacement for him who could do the things that he's done. This whole narrative that's being created about the hill tribes being illegal migrants you know, for somebody who doesn't know the northeastern region and then who's been told that the violence in Myanmar has resulted in hordes and hordes of people coming, crossing over, I think maybe they might like to believe that, yes, uh, we, we need to put a stop to the incoming migration. But then you can't uh, label all the cookies as illegal migrants. I think this is such a dishonorable thing to label your own citizens as illegal migrants. Do you see the violence spreading to other states in the region as well? I'm glad you asked this question because personally, I think there is a possibility in some states like Meghalaya, for instance, there are more tribals than non-tribals. And then there might be a kind of a, a revenge. You never know. Anything could happen in Mizoram. Their revenge may be on other non-tribal. These could lead to copycat actions because also all of the states have their armed outfits. Most of these outfits are today in uh, suspension of operation mode or 
they are uh, under peace talks like in Nagaland. You never know how, how something can just spiral out of control. And what is going on in the minds of, for instance, the cookie militants who are on surrender mode? Earlier, the Manipur government had appealed to people to return guns that had been stolen from the police and armories when the riots had started. There was also an amnesty scheme of sorts where people could return stolen guns without facing legal action. Patricia Mukim says the state has still not cracked down on people who have these guns. She also points out that a judicial commission that was to conduct an inquiry into the violence in the state seems nowhere close to completing their stated objective. The other question that one wants to ask is, why are there so many arms floating around in Manipur? A, the arms were allowed to be looted, I feel, from the police, uh, armory and all that. And B, it's quite funny that a chief minister would request people to bring back the arms. It's a crime, no? To take, uh, to, to yes. loot arms from a police armory. And here you have a chief minister requesting people to deposit the arms back into the armory. And then also those two very extremist groups in the valley that have been training themselves, that seem to put uh, Biran Singh, the chief minister, on a pedestal. I mean, how are those sort of groups allowed to exist? without any action taken against them. There have been singers who have been promoting uh, genocide. We should really actually take down and record all these things if there ever is a, a judicial inquiry. And I'm surprised that that three-man judicial inquiry has not said anything yet. It's almost now nearing third month. Why is it taking them so long to do a fact-finding when a group of women from... The Communist Party, I think, had gone there. They were able to, to get uh, the truth, the veracity of things by speaking to people. Why are these three people who have been appointed legally by the state not able to come up with anything yet? You spoke about it spreading to other states. One of the things that has been extremely interesting is the Nagas, I think initially after, I think the first day or two, they have largely kept quiet. After the yes. case of the Naga woman who was killed recently, do you yes. see them also being part of this whole agitation that's going on? Considering that they also have a, a, a history with the cookies, do you see them be, being more active? I don't see that happening. I Actually, if you ask me, the response or the behavior of the Nagas has been quite uh, sort of incomprehensible because there's no solidarity. And I think, like you said, that goes back to the violence that that was there between them in the 90s. And the Nagas also have this statement to make. They made this in the past. And they say that in their books, the cookies are immigrants. They are not indigenous to Manipur. The cookies, they create villages. Every small family grows and then they create one village and another village. And then they encroached into some of the Naga territories. That was how the violence started. It's again a question of resources and land as the main resource. So I really think that the Nagas perhaps are putting their heads together and wondering how they will respond to this crisis. I think they've learned the hard way that their talks are ongoing. And maybe there is some dictum from the central government that uh, you better keep quiet and not get into this muck. 
you said that the relationship between the cookies and methes is beyond repair. So yeah. that basically leaves it to a fact where a breakup of the state may just be a viable option. Do you think that is feasible in today's time? I have been speaking with a lot of uh, the cookie intelligentsia and all, and I said to them that I don't think it will work, you know, this breakup of a state. But what they can ask for is the uh, Bodoland Territorial Council kind of arrangement where you have the resources, you have the financial resources, you can create institutions, you can develop the six schedule areas without really having to look at the state government for all the finances. So I, I don't know whether they will agree to that sort of arrangement because if, uh, if you have to create another two union territories there, I really don't know how it will play out. How has the situation been on the ground? See, over the past 10 days, 15 days, has the violence come down? What has been the situation like? See, the, the violence had come down a bit, but then again, you, you get to hear the next day there were these guns booming, there were bombs, some stray incident comes out. But as I told you, we don't get really get to hear everything because of the internet embargo. If the internet ban was lifted, I think a lot of things would, would come overground. So, yeah, for us from a distance, it would appear that if there are no headlines of A being killed, B being killed here, there, uh, one house being burned, one church being burned, then we don't think it's a big deal. But, you know, there are, there are small incidents. You realize from whoever is able to give you a little bit of news, that the violence has not come down. Just because a church was not burnt or a home was not burnt, it doesn't mean that the violence has abated. It just means that uh, it was not big enough to be reported. Somebody getting beaten up, unless it is something like that boy David, whose body was cut into pieces, whose head was hung on a pole, unless it is something outrageous like that, the media tends to not give, pay too much attention. But to say that uh, things are normal, things have, have come back to some kind of normalcy is not correct. Today's episode was produced by Jairad Singh and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.